Welcome back to the Strategic Meeting Tech Podcast. The Strategic Meeting Tech Podcast is your podcast source for news and discussion of the meetings and events industry. Each week, we bring you stories of new technologies, new ideas, and new directions that will directly affect all of us in the meetings and events industry. I'm your host, John Trask. I'm a CMP, a CMM, and I'm a 30-year veteran of both the audiovisual and meetings and events industry. Welcome to the podcast. As we said uh, yesterday on part one of our interview with Paul Van Deventer, we were able to sit down with uh, him after WEC ended and uh, really look at a number of things, both the conference itself and the direction that MPI is taking, positioning itself within the industry, and and how there's a lot of steps being taken to sort of reinvent uh, an organization that's been around for some time and still respect the history of the organization and the brand that's been built up over so many years. So uh, we hope you enjoyed part one yesterday. Uh, we're going to pick right up where we stopped, and uh, this is part two of our interview with Paul Van Deventer. When you were mentioning the some of the vendor partners, uh, before we go completely away from WEC, I just wanted to reference a couple that I was really impressed with yeah. and um, just make sure that we mentioned them, and that was Meet AC, who um, I thought were phenomenal hosts. Tremendous. And uh, really stepped up and really showed off their city in a very vibrant, very interesting way and put a lot of thought into it. So personally, as an attendee, I appreciated that. And I also, um, because of actually what delayed our uh, chat was some of the uh, horrible events that happened in Orlando. And um, you had, we both attended the um, LGBTA reception. Uh, which was held on the last day. And I know there was some uh, background ahead of that because I did think that the organization handled it very tastefully and very appropriately um, in responding to it. And I know it was a tough thing to, to deal with because there is a large segment of the meetings industry community that fits into that sort of profile. Yes. And it impacted them very deeply and I thought that it couldn't be ignored. So I, I was glad that it wasn't. I was glad that the reception happened. But if you want to maybe give a shout out to the folks from uh, Caesars. Well, I, I'll, I'll kind of take a, uh, I'll start with a broader perspective and then come back to um, the, the terrible situation with Orlando that, that occurred and um, how we responded to it. Um, when, when we look at hosting something like WEC, it's a complex event and it's got a large scale to it. And we are usually working with a destination um, starting well over two years out on the planning and execution with the host committee. Because of the dynamics of being bumped from Philly and having to find a alternative location somewhat last minute, um, Media AC was able to, in just over a year, pull together a really dynamic event. and. Uh, in a tough time for them, you know, they, they, there's, there's no hidden um, uh, issues that they have. They've, it's been very out in the public. They've had right. financial issues. Uh, they've had other challenges. And with all that going on, they weren't distracted. They knew that this was an opportunity to showcase Atlantic City as a unique destination and Atlantic City as an affordable destination and a really, uh, really potential um, alternative for people doing meetings um, who hadn't thought about it before. Right. They pulled out all stops, and you felt it. Um, they even somehow managed to change the weather. Yes. And uh, 
Uh, we had, you know, Saturday, uh, our opening night, we were very nervous about the incoming storms, and it turned out to be a beautiful evening. But they were willing to take that risk, and even up to the last minute, when they were calling for thunderstorms, they said, no, let, let's, let's take the it. risk and stick with it and, and see what happens. The, the whole team pulled together. Um, their partners uh, in Atlantic City pulled together. I got so many comments about the Jitney service and, and how much fun it was to ride it and the, and the drivers and, and how entertaining they were. So they did a great job. And I, uh, Jim Wood, his whole team, really were phenomenal and, and great to work with. Um, on When we heard about what the tragedy that had uh, occurred in Orlando, in the morning we had the first bit of news and really weren't really aware of what was unfolding and how... Um, how extensive uh, an issue it was. By the end of the day, we had really uh, begun to understand that, that horrible scope. Uh, so as we approached the next morning, we knew we had to address it. Uh, to your point, it's a very, not just a horrible impact on, on America and on uh, the, the, the free world overall, but very unique to our community because of the target audience. And um, we, we knew that uh, there's a lot of people who were concerned and, and felt uh, felt deeply uh, impacted um, by that. Um, we have traditionally had a small group that gets together every year at WC um, and has a reception, uh, LGBT reception. Uh, a few years ago, they added the A uh, to it um, to recognize that this wasn't an exclusive clique. It was an open environment, and they wanted to welcome in uh, others to join them and that the A stands for allies mm -hmm. um, so it's allies to the LGBT community but it's been a very uh, a small unique uh, a small um, group maybe 75 to 100 people uh, Caesars had agreed to host it this year and had planned to shortly before I was going to address the general session and talk about what happened in Orlando really 20 minutes before we knew we were going to send a message I reached out to Mike Massari from Caesars and said, I want to mention the reception that's going to occur tomorrow. And I don't know what the impact's going to be, but my gut tells me you're going to end up with a much bigger reception. Uh, we have no way to track attendance. We don't know how many are going to show up. Is it okay if I mention it? You guys are the hosts. I don't want to put you in a spot. And without hesitation, Mike said, go for it. We'll figure out how to make it happen. We'll learn. Uh, we'll, we'll do our best to accommodate it. This is too important to not uh, make that announcement. And we did. We got up. We made the announcement. We ended up, had to be over 400 people, maybe 500 people came. Beautiful uh, reception. We had a nice moving tribute to what was going on in Orlando. And then people were able to socialize and network afterwards. So, you know, great kudos and really great support to Mike Massari and, and the team from Caesars. Uh, and just overall, just great support from Meet AC and everything they did. Yeah, I had the feeling that the message wasn't just received at the higher levels either, because the interactions I had with people all through the property and all through Atlantic City, they all seemed to recognize the value of having the attendees there and really want to make them feel welcome and, and really reaching out. And there was a, there was a friendliness that I that I took away from it as an attendee that I really appreciated and had a wonderful time. Well, when you, if you in talking to um, the leaders there, uh, folks like Mike Massari and Jim Wood, Atlantic City is traditionally a pure leisure market. Ninety-eight percent of their business, uh, at least for Harris, was leisure. Uh, I think overall it's probably pretty similar for Atlantic City in general. 
they see this as an opportunity to reinvent themselves, mm -hmm. uh, to create. It's not going to become a business destination because there's no headquarters there, but they really see it as an opportunity to have it as a meeting and event destination. Uh, to do that, they had to train a employee base and a community that is geared towards leisure and in a lot of cases day travelers. Right. Um, so they put a whole special program into place months ahead of time and began to educate the hotel staffs, the, uh, the jitney drivers, um, other professionals from the greeters at the airports, all the way through uh, check-in, check-out that you would confront during the event. And, and I think we all felt that yeah. uh, and saw how it came across. It, it was, a, it was a, a program that obviously worked because yeah. I had talked to other attendees as well. It wasn't just my experience and everyone had a very welcome feeling. And that that goes a long way. I mean, you know, you're traveling across the country. You've spent a long, uh, long time on an airplane, yep. and to come off and be met with a smiling face and very efficient and loading you on to the bus and just everything was thought through and everything made you feel like they were really, really pleased to welcome you. Yep, pleased and prepared. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And so for us in our business, that you can't do better than that. Right. Exactly. Um, and one thing that I did, I, we've gone on quite a while here, so I, I do want to kind of not drag on forever yep. and wrap things up, but I wanted to touch on the new membership mm -hmm. um, because that, that was an area, that was one of those areas that I had sort of a reaction to myself and I'm still wrapping my head a little bit around it, but I can sort of see what's there. So I wanted to let you talk first just a little about the membership and the way that it's being done. And then I did have a question or two. Okay. Well, um, as we we looked at where we want to be as an organization and um, the core pillars that we wanted to support, one of them is the member value. And uh, we actually began to ask the question, how do we measure membership? How do we measure interaction with the marketplace? And in today's environment, with the ubiquitous access to education and content, um, is being a member really the meaningful thing that an association provides? Or is interaction and touch points really what you're, you're trying to get at? Um, we have done for 40 plus years uh, the same thing as far as members. We have a model, it's a little bit different price between a supplier and a planner, but it's the same model. Pay one price, eat all you want. Right. Uh, it's a full-on buffet. Some people come and nibble and some spend their whole day at the buffet. Um, if you look around at other organizations, other membership organizations or other associations, they're evolving away from that model. Some are going to a free model, uh, some are going to tier models. So we challenged ourselves, said, what is the right one for us? Does this make sense or not? Uh, and we brought in a group of um, resources. We, we engaged a professional consultant uh, that was recommended to us from ASAE that specialized in the membership models. Uh, we used our chapter and member advisory council to ask them is this still resonate and does this have value? We used our international board and we interacted with them. We spent over a year analyzing what's out there and what makes sense. And we came to the conclusion that um, our model has relevance, but it needs to be broader and it needs to, um, to look at the community differently than it has in the past. And what we came out with is the recognition that we, we want to reach a broader community. We want to be relevant to a broader community. And we want people to feel that the membership they're paying for 
delivers the value that they want at that time in their career. Um, so we did create a tiered model. Um, we also are providing more ways to interact with MPI without even becoming a member. Uh, mm -hmm. And our objective there is to get you engaged, uh, get you involved in the community, and then bring you in closer in the community as you feel compelled to and recognize that There's a value. networking, volunteering is really how I'm going to help myself grow through my career. And then as your career reaches its nadir, and you may want to still keep involved with MPI, but you don't want to be paying that full membership cost, there's ways you can start to back down out of it again. Or in the case of someone who's been very successful and wants to give back, we're providing other opportunities for them to give back in a way that's more meaningful, both financially and time-wise. So it's really providing a spectrum as we see our role as reaching a broader community. Um, and a need in today's environment to provide more meaningful and tangible value for dollars invested and time invested by uh, professionals, that we provide more alternatives to people. Okay. Because that, um, I know the, um, I wonder, by giving this tiering, one of my questions was uh, about the effects on the local chapters, knowing that there's now an option where people can be a member and not really be involved in the local, and knowing that that is such a key component that I felt personally and myself in working with the organization, yep. I wondered if cutting that out would have any downside or taking that part away. Well, we've, we've talked a lot about risks. Uh, and as you change and evolve, you have to take some risks. There's a risk that um, the, the value of um, not being part of the chapter, um, would, people would say, I'm going to select not being part of that chapter and, and downgrade a membership. Right. Um, the upside of that or the counter of that is we have to have enough value in that level of membership to justify why someone would be willing to pay for it. Um, we have seen the number one value that we believe people can get out of associating with MPI is through chapter engagement and involvement. Um, so we want to build that as the cornerstone of where we invest. We want to ensure that the experience at the chapter level is extremely valuable. The number one reason people join MPI is because a colleague or a friend suggests it and asks them to, and that all comes through the chapter level. So we, we felt pretty strongly that the, the uh, less expensive tiers would be a pipeline to get people to chapters, and then the chapters would engage them and bring them into a higher level membership. Um, we're very new into this. We're only a couple months into it, but we're actually we're seeing a greater than we expected um, impact on people going for the full membership or the premier. And we've only had one person go to the lower level Down membership. Grade. Yeah. Okay. Well, it wasn't. It was a new member, but they chose the oh. lower level membership. We have nobody downgraded yet. Okay. Uh, so in two full months, two cycles, uh, we haven't had anyone go to the lower membership level. That's that's encouraging. Yeah. And, and but, it, but we'll keep watching it. And we'll, yeah. You know, th this model isn't set in stone. And I, I mentioned in the uh, the press conference, we're we're going to come out with an e-subscriber. Uh, level to it as well, where someone who just wants to interact, see our research, uh, take online courses, uh, provide them an opportunity to do that as well. And there's there's still the supplier versus planner mm -hmm. um, sort of split, and I was looking at some of the, the tiering on that and, and costs, and I wondered, um, for me, 
I, I kind of put myself in, in what a friend has called the supplanter role. Mm. And I've wondered um, if there will ever be a recognition or a way to sort of understand that there are a lot of us who work kind of in the, in the middle. I hire MPI members, yep. but I get hired by MPI yep. members. And so understanding how we are in this new century, it, it's not the same way it was 40 years ago when you had a company doing this and a company doing that. And I've wondered if there might be a way to bring that closer together or have a, a new category created or some way to recognize the people who don't fit into an easy spot right now. Yeah, it's a very valid point. And actually, our incoming chairman, Brian Stevens, calls himself a supplanter. Um, I, uh, and we, we've, again, have different um, thoughts on this. Uh, there's a, um, there's a extreme side of the argument that says uh, planners shouldn't pay anything and all these suppliers should pay a fee. Uh, or every planner who comes on board has to be paid for by a supplier, so suppliers essentially buy two memberships. Um, there, there's another, the other end of it says nobody should pay anything and everything should be a a la carte. Um, and, and you pay as you go. Um, I think there may be opportunity, well, there will be opportunities to continue to evolve the model. And um, looking at a blended rate or, you know, whether we evolve where the rates are the same down the road as you get different membership tiers, any of those are on the table. We have to continue to watch it. What what I, we want to be careful of up front is not to overcomplicate it to start with. Right. Uh, we, we had a... We had a one-size-fits-all um, concept, or well, one-price-gets-everything concept with a two-sizes planner-supplier. As we added three tiers to it, we didn't want to start overcomplicating. So I think, you know, over time, we'll continue to, to, to manage this, evolve it, and tweak it. Okay. Well, that was that, those were a couple of things I was curious about yeah. in looking at it. And, and like I say, uh, when we were talking before, it's uh, the, the changes sometimes are challenging for those of us who've been around for 30 years. But on the other hand, um, they are necessary. And it, it, uh, I appreciate that the organization is not just set in amber and just slowly withering, uh, which is probably what I believe would have happened had changes not been made. Yeah. I think, um, I, like I, I started off, MPI is an incredible legacy. It's got a great brand. When um, when I came in, uh, when the board asked me to come in and my current team came in, we were on a long period of decline, and um, that was unfortunate. Um, but um, we we are at a point now where um, we are we're seeing that turnaround. Uh, we've got a very bright future. Um, MPI is, um, uh, has a great uh, role to play, and um, we, we're, we're moving it forward, and just excited about where we're heading. Well, I'm excited too. I'm, I'm really uh, interested to see where things evolve to, and, and looking forward to uh, continuing the conversation and uh, being involved. So, thank you so much for taking. What a pleasure as always, here. John. Good to see you. And uh, we will uh, hopefully talk to you again soon. Okay. Thank you. Thanks. This has been the Strategic Meeting Tech Podcast, your podcast source for news and discussions of the meetings and events industry. You can find out more about Strategic Meeting Tech at our website, www.strategicmeetingtech.com. There you'll find resources and information about how we help planners to create better audiovisual and technology outcomes at their events.
Our music is provided by Steph Sachs, under license from the Creative Commons, and you can find out more information and links to the artists there on our website as well. Please send any comments or show suggestions to John, J-O-M, at strategicmeetingtech.com. Thanks for listening.